Hi, everybody. This is Dan Walker. Welcome to another edition of U.S. Law Radio. So your firm has an opening for a position, and after much consideration, it's been decided the best person for that job is a foreign national. Okay, no problem. You'll just start the process of obtaining a visa for your candidate. Piece of cake, right? Well, there are some things you should know as part of the process, and joining us to shine a spotlight on the subject of the H-1B visa applications is immigration attorney Jackie Lentini of the firm Smith Amundsen in St. Charles, Illinois. Jackie, great to have you here on U.S. Law Radio. Thank you. Jackie, for the uninitiated, tell us what the H-1B visa program is all about. Well, the H-1B is the main visa used to employ foreign nationals in the U.S. Congress mandates that there are two caps on the number of petitions filed per fiscal year in the H-1B category, and they are the regular cap and the advanced degree cap. The regular cap is set at 65,000 new petitions available per fiscal year, and the advanced degree cap is set at 20,000 petitions filed on behalf of foreign nationals who have attained a master's or higher degree from a U.S. institution. Since the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services or USCIS, we like to use acronyms in the immigration world. Since USCIS's fiscal year starts in October, companies as petitioners may file for an H-1B with an October 1st, 2010 start date as early as April 1st, 2010. And as of last month, May 21st, 19,600 petitions were received towards the regular cap of 65,000 H-1Bs and 8,200 towards the advanced degree cap of 20,000. Last year, the cap was not reached until December, but it's anticipated that the cap will be reached earlier than December for this fiscal year because the economy is continuing to get better. Difficult to say exactly when the cap will be reached, but immigration monitors the status of petitions received and updates its website three times a month. Okay. So exactly what government agencies are involved as part of the process? There are three different government agencies involved in the H-1B process. The first is the Department of Labor, which we'll get to in a minute. The second is USCIS, U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, which we just touched on briefly. And the last, after the H-1B petition is approved, is the Department of State. And this is the step for issuance of the H-1B visa stamp in the foreign national's passport. Once the H-1B is approved, then the foreign national has to usually go to their home country to apply for the H-1B visa stamp at a U.S. consulate or embassy abroad. So it doesn't sound, Jackie, like getting through the H-1B visa process is something you can just knock out in a couple of weeks. Yes, the processing time can be three months, roughly, or longer, depending on part of the process. There is a way to shorten it a little bit as well with premium processing. Everything's for sale, isn't it? It is, yes. There's, you know, some criticism of premium processing for, you know, nonprofits that maybe can't afford additional filing fee. Jackie, can you step through what the parameters might be for the H-1B visa program? Yes. For a position to be of H-1B caliber, the position must be a specialty occupation. That means that the position offered must require a bachelor's degree and the individual must have a bachelor's degree or higher or the equivalent of a bachelor's degree. Common specialty occupations are positions such as engineers, accountants, lawyers, management consultants, financial analysts, some IT positions like software engineers. Not all IT positions would qualify, though. Teachers, scientists, fashion models, broad range of specialty occupations out there. If the individual has a foreign degree instead of a U.S. degree, 
It is possible to obtain a credential evaluation to determine if the education is the equivalent of a U.S. bachelor's. And this would typically be true of, say, a European university degree. These programs are often the equivalent of a U.S. master's degree. But it can be more problematic to determine the equivalency of a degree from another part of the world, such as an Indian bachelor's degree. They're often a three-year degree, which is not always equivalent to a U.S. bachelor's degree. Now, we talked a little bit about the cost of the H-1B visa, Jackie. Is the overall cost of shepherding someone through on the visa a consideration? Yes, it is. Most employers are not going to hire an H-1B visa worker unless they really can't find a U.S. worker for the position offered. This was especially true in the late 90s during President Clinton's reign when the IT boom was going on. The annual cap, which we mentioned earlier, of 65,000 visas per fiscal year was raised over a period of, let's say, three, four years, and it went up to 115,000 and then 195,000, and then it reverted back to the annual cap of 65,000 in 2004. So the economy has basically driven this a little bit. Some years when the economy is really good, the cap is reached on the very first day that new petitions can be filed, so on April 1st. And in those situations, immigration will institute a lottery to choose which petitions will be selected. In years like last year, the cap wasn't reached until December. So it can really show that employers aren't necessarily willing to pay the higher filing fees for these H-1B petitions. Immigration's filing fees are three required fees, and they must be paid by the employer. There's the $320 regular fee, a $500 fraud prevention and detection fee, and then a user fee, which is dependent on the number of employees. So if the company has 25 or more employees, the fee is $1,500. Less than 25, the fee is $750. Then in addition to that, there's an optional fee of $1,000 for premium processing. If the employer would like to receive a response from immigration in a three-week time frame, they're guaranteed not necessarily an approval, but at least a response from immigration, a request for more information, or an approval within three weeks compared with the normal processing time frame, which can be two to three months approximately. Well, those fees aren't terribly out of line, and let's face it, we'll get that money back pretty quickly through the lower salaries we'll have to pay, right? (laughs) No. The salary parameters of the H-1B program are regulated by the Department of Labor. The first step in the H-1B process is to make sure that the foreign national is being paid the required wage or the prevailing wage for the position for the geographical area where the company is located. The required wage means the greater of the actual wage level paid by the employer to all other individuals with similar experience and qualifications for the specific position at the place of employment. To establish the prevailing wage, it's necessary to look at a wage survey and the Department of Labor uses OES, the Occupational Employment Statistics Online Wage Library, which is available online at uh, Foreign Labor Certification Data Center. The prevailing wage compares the salaries of all workers in the same position within the same geographical area. For example, if we were to research the prevailing wage for electrical engineers in Chicago, we could do so with a prevailing wage survey, and then we would have a pretty good idea of what we need to be paying the foreign national. Once the salary is determined to meet or be above that prevailing wage, the employer then files a labor condition application, or LCA, with the Department of Labor. Then the Department of Labor certifies the LCA. This step can significantly delay the filing of the H-1B petition with immigration because it has to be done first. 
and it has to be certified before filing the H-1B petition. So this step as well can lengthen the processing time of the H-1B petition. Has the economic downturn affected the H-1B visa program in any way, Jackie? Yes, it has. There has been an increase in focus on enforcement of the H-1B program in the last year, starting with last summer, but especially ramping up last fall. And this has been seen by various government agencies, including USCIS, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement, which is um, the acronym is ICE, in addition to Department of Labor audits of the H-1B program. There's been a perceived abuse of the H-1B program based on frivolous petitions filed and also based on the downturn in the economy and the general animosity towards employers employing foreign nationals. If an audit is going to be conducted, an employer should seek counsel to see them through the process because there are penalties, fines, and even criminal charges which could apply depending on the particular circumstances. A Department of Labor audit will focus on abuses in withholding of wages and penalties may include back pay awards, civil fines, and debarment from certification of additional labor condition applications for future H-1B petitions. Employers have gotten into trouble during the present economic downturn by implementing measures to cut wages by reducing salaries or work hours. For an H-1B employee, the employer must be careful that the H-1B worker's salary does not go below the prevailing wage or that the H-1B worker is not placed in non-productive status. Non-productive status can mean a furlough or any situation when the foreign national is simply not being paid for what they were hired to do. It doesn't, however, include situations where a foreign national voluntarily goes into an unpaid leave, such as for maternity leave. But a non-productive status is called benching by the Department of Labor, and the Department of Labor has specific rules against this practice. Duly noted. Visas are your life, aren't they, Jackie? <laughs> they are for the last 10 years. <laughs> the H-1B visa program. Jackie Lentini, can you wrap it up for us? Okay. Well, if an employer is looking at hiring a foreign national, the H-1B is a common visa category to consider. It's not the only one, but it's definitely the most popular. And there are certain parameters to keep in mind because there are only a certain number available per fiscal year. And because of the complexities of the prevailing wage versus the salary offered, it's best to seek counsel to help with the H-1B process to meet Department of Labor regulations and also to ultimately have the petition approved by immigration. Well, Jackie, we appreciate you watching our back when it comes to employing foreign nationals the right way with the H-1B visa program. And thanks so much for joining us here on U.S. Law Radio. Thank you. That's it, folks. We're out of time. U.S. Law Radio is produced by Roger Yaffe. Send your comments and show ideas his way because he loves to hear from you. This edition of U.S. Law Radio has been brought to you by SCA Limited, forensic engineering and origin cause experts working nationwide since 1970, and by Ringler Associates. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided injured parties and their attorneys with the finest structured settlement services. This is Dan Walker. Thanks for listening in, folks. We'll see you again next time for another brand new edition of U.S. Law Radio.